my name is Kelly, um, and I'm one of the staff here at CCF, in case you haven't met me before. If you haven't met me, I would love to meet you. I'd love to say hi and know what you're about. Um, so I just want to say again, welcome, that we are glad that you are here. Whether you're visiting for the first time, just checking things out, or whether you've come every single Friday night for the past four or five years, if you're a super senior, maybe you've been around. <laughs> so we are glad that you are here. And my hope and my prayer is that you would really encounter Jesus tonight. Um, and where, wherever you're at in your walk with following him or not following him or whatever you think about him, I just pray that you would encounter Jesus tonight. Um, and so would you pray with me to that end? So, Lord, I thank you that, that you have been with us this whole evening, Lord. I thank you for your presence. Um, and I just pray during this next segment of our worship service, Lord, I pray that you um, would really speak to us, speak clearly to us through, through your word, um, and speak to each individual in this room, Lord. Um, and I pray that our, our hearts would be open to what you have to say to us tonight. And we anticipate what you're going to do in us tonight. Um, in your name we pray. Amen. So we've been in Genesis 1 and 2, all quarter, looking at what the creation account tells us about who God is and who we are as he originally intended us to be. Um, so all, all quarter, being in Genesis 1 and 2. But tonight we're doing things a little differently and we're dipping into Genesis 3, and also, oh, I know, <laughs> and also a moment in Jesus' life um, to look at one more aspect of what it means to be human. Um, so, so far, we've looked at, at all these different ways of what it means to be human. We've looked at that we are created, and we're created male and female, um, and that we are created set apart over all creation to care for the rest of creation and that we are created as workers. Um, but also, one other aspect of to be human is to be tempted. So tonight, we're talking about temptation. Now, when I hear the word temptation, I immediately think of like a triple-layer chocolate cake just sitting here. And I don't know why I picture that, because I... Chocolate cake is not even my favorite. I would choose ice cream any, any day over chocolate cake. But that's just like my picture of temptation. And so I've been thinking about chocolate cake a lot lately, <laughs> preparing for this sermon. Um, so I don't know what comes to mind when you think of temptation. It might be kind of a silly, meaningless caricature of temptation, like that chocolate cake is to me. Um, or it might be something very real in your life. Um, a real temptation that you currently are struggling with or currently are facing. And my hope tonight is that we wouldn't just talk in the abstract about temptation, but I really hope that Jesus meets you in your individual life, wherever you are at. Um, so in order for that to happen, I want all of us to take like 30 seconds um, to just think of a temptation, whether it's something that's currently in our lives or something that's kind of a, a recurring struggle, and you're like, what? I thought that I made it through this. Um, whatever it may be, and it might be, if you're thinking, oh, I don't really have temptations, 
It might not be a temptation to do anything. Like, it could be a temptation to an action, um, like drinking or sexual desires or gossiping or whatever. But it could also be temptation in your thought life, the temptation to, um, to pride or the temptation to harbor hatred towards somebody. Or, um, so any temptation that you personally connect with or that is personally in your life. So I want you to just take a few seconds. Think about it or write it down if you want so you know you won't forget it. Okay. And if you're still sitting there thinking that there's nothing in your life, then just pray that God would reveal to you the area that he wants to work on your life because this is, we are, all have something. We all are tempted in some way. Um, This would also be a great night, if you've never done it before, to take notes on the back of your announcement sheet, Um, because when you keep that temptation in your mind, I'm going to refer to that throughout the sermon and um, ask questions about it, and we won't won't necessarily, won't stop for five minutes and have you reflect on it then, so you can just jot down um, the questions to reflect on, on later, so... If you need pencils, you can pass the red cups again to get that. Um, So, like I said, we're going to be in Genesis 3. So if you brought your Bibles, you can turn there with me, or it'll be up on the screen. And we'll be looking at verses 1 through 7. So just in case you haven't been with us, where we're at in the creation story is that God has just created the heavens and the earth. And he created this beautiful garden with lush trees, beautiful to look at, wonderful, I'm sure, tasty, everything. He created this lush garden and put Adam and Eve in the middle of it to take care of it. Um, And he said that they could have free reign of the entire garden and could eat whatever they wanted except for the tree in the middle the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That was the one thing that God said no to in the midst of saying yes to everything else around it. So that's where we were at, Adam and Eve in the garden. Now, the serpent, this is representative of Satan, the enemy of God, was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, Did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And I want you to notice how he's skewing what God said, trying to have her focus on the prohibition rather than the the abundance that God said yes to. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig 
fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. So for our purposes tonight, we're stopping there, but there's much more that you can read on in Genesis 3 um, about all of the effects of this, this encounter with the serpent, all of the effects that that had on the whole of creation um, and God beginning to move and, and redeem his creation back to what it was before this encounter with the serpent. Um, but that's like 50 sermons. So for our, <laughs> for our purposes, we're stopping there and just focusing on um, the temptation of the woman. And there's a distinction I want to make and then unpack it a little bit. And Brady mentioned this at Pizza Theology last week, for those of you who went. Um, but I want to reiterate that temptation does not equal sin. Temptation does not equal sin. The temptation to sin is different from sin itself. For instance, if the scripture said, the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, but she remembered what God had said and she replied, no thanks, serpent. <laughs> she would have been tempted still, but she would not have sinned. The two, the two are different. And everything would have worked out a whole lot differently for all of us. Um, so temptation is part of our human experience. And even Jesus, which we'll look at in a little bit, even Jesus in his humanity was tempted. Even though he never sinned. So there is a difference. And no doubt in this life, we will be tempted, whether we want to or not. But sin, sin always takes a choice. Sin takes an action. It's not that Eve just couldn't help herself or was forced to sin. She didn't accidentally eat the fruit. It's not like she was walking by and it accidentally fell in her hand at the right moment. And then she tripped and it accidentally came in her mouth. And then she had a muscle spasm and she accidentally chewed it and swallowed it. She didn't accidentally sin. <laughs> she didn't accidentally disobey God. She didn't make a choice for the serpent to come and talk to her. The temptation wasn't her choice. But she did choose to actually listen to the serpent and then to take the fruit and eat it in disobedience to God. So sin is a chosen response to temptation, but temptation alone does not equal sin. And I want that to get through because there is a danger in seeing them as the same thing. The danger in seeing temptation as sin is that we've already accepted defeat before we've even tried to battle. It's like getting to the front lines. You are like in your armor, you have your sword in hand, and you get to the front lines, and the enemy is coming at you. And you show up, and then you turn around. And it's not like you're turning around and bolting the other way, which sometimes we need to do that, but it's like you're at the front line, the very spot where you need to fight, and you sulk away in defeat. Like, imagine that if somebody, like, if Joey was my enemy and was running at me and I, like, made it this far and then I was like, oh, I'm already, I've already lost. He would, like, attack me from behind. Like, that leaves me so vulnerable if I do that. <laughs> so, <laughs> jo Joey wouldn't. Joey's nicer. But if he was a real enemy, um, 
So if you already see yourself as a failure in your temptation, then it's easy to take the step to actually enter into that sin. I mean, after all, you've already failed. What's a little more failure? Or if you choose not to act on your temptation, but you still feel like you failed because you were tempted, you can be so racked with unnecessary guilt and shame and so down on yourself that you don't even realize that the Lord is standing over you cheering because you didn't choose to walk in that sin. So think of the thing that came to mind earlier um, or the thing that you wrote down. Are there ways that you have accepted defeat way before the battle has even been fought? Jesus, as a part of his humanness, was tempted just as the first people were tempted in the garden. But his response was so different. And I want to look at his response to see how we too can respond. Now, Jesus was fully human and fully God at the same time. So when we're looking at how Jesus responds, I'm not saying that we're going to get this perfect every time because we are not fully God. <laughs> but we are fully human. And, and Jesus, looking at his response, can give us something to, to hope for and to, um, and to ask for his strength to respond in the same way. So if you would look at Matthew 4, verses 1 through 11, is what we're looking at. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And I really enjoy that Matthew includes this fact because wouldn't you be hungry at that point? Like, I, I love it because it shows that Jesus had actual physical desires and needs. He was fully human, too. Even though he was fully God, he was fully human, and he experienced what we all experience. So he was hungry. And this adds gravity to what comes next. The tempter, Satan, came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. But Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give to you, he said, if you bow down and worship me. But Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and angels came and attended him. 
And I always at that moment picture Jesus in the corner of a boxing ring and the angels are coming and like wiping his sweat because I'm sure that this was difficult. But it is clear that if we are to respond as Jesus did and resist the attacks and the distortions of the enemy, it is clear that we need to know scripture. The enemy will always try to distort our view of who God is and who we are. So we've got to be in scripture regularly in order to know the undistorted truth. Jesus knew his father's words so well that he knew when the enemy was trying to distort them or to catch him in a trap. But Jesus resisted the temptation with the truth of scripture. And looking back at the temptation in Genesis, the way that the serpent was twisting God's words and questioning the goodness of God, did God really say? Satan attempts to distort the loving motives of God um, to get us to think that God is not good. And you can go back and listen to David's sermon a few weeks ago about how, just how much Genesis 1 and 2 shows us God's goodness. But Satan wants us to forget that God is good. Because if he can get us to forget that, then we are one step closer to doing whatever Satan wants us to do. Because why would we follow a God who isn't even good? Think about that temptation that you wrote down. In what ways is the enemy calling into question God's goodness in your life? To resist temptation, we must remember who God is. It's partly why we wanted to do this this whole series and what we've been talking about all quarters. Remembering who God is. And the enemy will not only seek to distort our view of God, but Satan always tempts to distort our view of ourselves so that he can use us in ways that we were never intended to be used. Tonight, I brought um, my special pashmina, which is a a shawl from India. One of my friends gave it to me when she was there. Oops, I didn't want to touch the ground. Um, So this pashmina is, I think, the most beautiful thing that I own. And you can come up and look at it later and feel it because it's really soft. And if Whenever I'm wearing it, it only takes watching me for five minutes to see me start rubbing it because <laughs> I just like it. It's really soft. But anyways, this pajmina is beautiful, and it's so intricate. Sometimes I pull it out of my closet and just look at it. Um, <laughs> and there are so many different shades of colors here. But what's crazy, if you look really close, there are only four colors of thread used on this thing. Black and like a reddish brown, and a blue, and a yellow. But it just looks like different shades of blue and brown to me. This fascinates me. But it is clear to me that this is a work of art. This is a masterpiece with special purposes, special purposes for warmth and for adornment and beauty, and it is meant to be seen. It's meant to be on, like, on display 
Now, for a moment, look at the ground. Just take in what you see on the ground, on this grimy cement floor. Okay. What if one of you came in here and you spilled your Starbucks on the ground? Then you saw this sitting here. You're like, oh, it's a piece of cloth. And you started like rubbing this, wiping up your Starbucks and rubbing it into all like the grime and dog poop from shoes or whatever is on this floor. (laughs) You're just rubbing this beautiful pashmina into the ground, mopping up the muck of Arnson 100 on my pashmina. (laughs) I would be so mad. I would be so mad. And I really don't think that any of you would actually do that because you would immediately recognize that this is more special than a paper towel. (laughs) There is a difference between a pashmina and a paper towel. But I think that sometimes with our lives, we don't treat our, our lives as any different than a paper towel. We see ourselves as disposable, as just a really base paper towel. And so we let ourselves be used in that way. We let the enemy use us in ways that we were never intended, intended for, forgetting that we are actually like this beautiful pashmina, that we are actually created unique and wonderful by God, set apart for special purposes in God's eyes. In temptation, Satan tries to question, to get us to question our identity. We saw how Jesus, um, in his temptation, how the enemy kept saying, if you are the son of God, if you are the son of God, trying to get Jesus to question his identity. But I love that Jesus didn't even take the bait. He didn't even respond to that part of the if you are the son of God because he was so sure of who he was, of who his father is. He was so sure of himself that he didn't even need to take the bait that Satan was trying to question his identity. And the enemy wants us to doubt who we are in Christ. Have you ever heard Satan whisper any lies, keyword lies, like this to you before? You're not really one of God's children. Did God really say that he loves you? Did he really forgive you? Oh, he wouldn't forgive that. You don't really have a purpose. I could just use you to mop up the muck on the floor and nobody would care. Have you heard that before? Remember who you are. Remember that you are a beautiful pashmina, not a paper towel. Remember that you are set apart for the Lord. 
Remember that you have a worth and a value in him. And remember that Christ chose to die on the cross and raise again from the dead so that you could have a life free from the bondage of sin and free to have a full relationship with your creator, fully forgiven. You don't have to be used to mop up the floor. And you have this. You have scripture, the very words of God to tell you that. So we need to know, we need to be in scripture and know what he is saying so that we can remember who we are. We must regularly, daily go to his word, be in connection with the living God to know who he is and to know who we are. In your temptation, how is Satan trying to distort your view of yourself? And what is the actual truth that God is wanting to remind you of? But let's be honest. Fighting temptation and even using scripture to remember who God is and who we are, it's not easy. There is still a fight, and it is difficult. And sometimes there is actual anguish, real anguish in saying no to our temptations. Have you ever been in that place, maybe with the temptation that you thought of tonight, where you get to such a point of frustration in the fight, wanting just so badly to give in, wanting to go ahead and gossip with your neighbor, wanting to go ahead and get on that website, or wanting to go ahead and numb your feelings by taking those shots, or wanting to go ahead and let the pride just swell in your mind, or wanting to go ahead and purge your dinner, whatever it may be. But all you can do is clench your fists and yell to yourself that that momentary pleasure is not worth the destruction that follows. Have you ever been in that place It is tough. Resisting temptation can be excruciating. And some of you right now are walking through such difficult temptations, trying to keep your head up, trying to keep fighting. I can't read my notes from my tears. (laughs) You've been battling for days, weeks, or years even. And the battle seems to have no end. Or maybe you've never been able to resist at all. Adam and Eve weren't able to do it. We cannot rely on our own strength and our own willpower. We need the strength of the one who was able to resist. We need the strength of Christ to walk with us to resist the temptation and to walk in obedience to the Lord, to walk in full life that is truly life. Hebrews 2:18 says, "Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted." 
Christ knows our anguish. He knows how difficult the fight is. But he wants to help us. In 1 Corinthians 10, 13, it says, No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out so that you can endure it. And this scripture means, the first part means, there's nothing new that you are being tempted by that others around you or have come before you haven't been tempted by. You are not alone. So don't be afraid to confess to somebody your temptations. There's nothing new that you are being tempted by that people haven't already gone through. And God will always provide a way out. That way out might not be easy. In fact, it probably won't be. It might mean calling your roommate at midnight to come and get you because you know it wouldn't be good to stay at your boyfriend or girlfriend's house. It might mean missing out on the social scene with some of your friends. It might mean getting rid of your computer. Think of that temptation that you wrote down. What is a way out that God has provided for you? Whether you choose to take it or not. But what is a way out that God has provided for you? And one thing I want to urge us is to see this room, to see our community, our family here, as a way out that God has provided. Sometimes we are so weak in our temptation that it's not as easy as just us going and picking up our Bible to remember who we are and who God is. Sometimes it takes somebody else coming alongside us to tell us that truth to walk with us, to pray with us. So we need to be quick to confess our temptations to each other way before we ever need to confess our sins, which is a lot harder to confess than confessing temptations. So let's be quick to do that with each other in our cores, in our one-to-ones, with our friends. And let's be quick to respond. If you get that call in the middle of the night, wanting to ride home from whatever situation is going on, go get your friend. And currently, we live in Genesis 3 times. We live in a fallen world where all is not right, but God is actively restoring his creation including us. But we won't, in all areas, we won't be fully restored until we are fully with him, whether it's at the end of our days or the end of all days when Jesus comes again. So he is, is restoring our life, but we're not there yet. We're not back to the Genesis 1 and 2 picture yet. 
And some temptations do and will go away. As we experience victories in our lives, temptations can lessen and lessen. And praise the Lord for that. But others, I really don't know if you or I will ever be rid of certain temptations. And we may have desires that we have to say no to for the rest of our lives. And there is, there is a cost to walk in the path of full life that the Lord has for us. But when I think about who our Father is, how much He loves us, how good He is, and what He has sacrificed for us, what He has sacrificed for each of you, when I think about that and how how He has saved us from the lies of the enemy, from that deception, and from that destruction. When I think about that, saying no to a few things in the midst of all the things that, that I get to say yes to, saying no to a few things for 80, 90 years is a small price. So will we cling to the truth of who God is? And yes, let's pray for him to take away our temptations and struggles. And by his mercy, he might. But even more fervently, let's pray for his strength to walk through the temptations. Because we know that he is faithful. On our own, we cannot walk through and resist but we need his strength and the power from his Holy Spirit. And there's so much more that could be said, but I really think that the Lord has more to say to each of you. So we're going to do response tonight a bit differently. I recognize that that the Lord might really want, be wanting to do some individual business with some of you. So this whole front space here is just going to be open for if any of you need prayer, if any of you just need someone to walk alongside you and pray for you and, and declare truths in your life so that you can resist the temptation you're currently fighting or so that you can get out of a sin cycle that you've just been in so that you can receive forgiveness. There will be people up here ready to pray for you. And even if you're at a point in your life and you don't quite know what it really means to follow Jesus, but you know that you're at the end of your rope of doing it your way, then talk to somebody tonight. Ask them questions. Have them pray with you. For others of you, you might need to confess. Turn to a trusted brother or sister who will continue to walk with you and confess to them. Share with them the things that you're struggling with. And some of you really need to remember and declare who you are. You've let Satan use you like that paper towel, just cleaning up all the muck, 
on the floor and telling you that no one cares. But you need to declare that you belong to the Lord. You are His and you are set apart for Him. Throughout Scripture, things that were, were specially set apart for the Lord, specially set apart to be in the, in the temple of God, they were anointed with oil or people who had a special purpose set apart for the Lord to do his work, they were anointed with oil. And all that means, it's basically, it's symbolic of, of be, whatever's anointed with oil belongs to the anointed one, belongs to Christ. So we, in, during our response time in the back, are going to have Shannon and Jonathan, they'll have some oil, and you can get anointed with oil, and just, they'll make the sign of the cross on your forehead just as a symbol declaring that your identity is beneath the cross and that you belong to the Lord. So I'll have the worship team start to get ready. And so in order for that to happen tonight, in order for there to be ample time for people to come and, and pray or or to be anointed with oil, or to confess and talk with one another, or sit in your seats and reflect longer. We're just going to have a longer time than usual of, of worship songs. And you can feel free to, you don't have to stand up and sing. You can do whatever it is that the Lord is wanting you to do. Um, and if you've been around our community for a while, you also know that we really value all of your voices. And we sometimes have people share things from the mic up front. But tonight we're not going to do that so that we can have uninterrupted time of people praying and really processing with the Lord. But if you really feel like you have something that the Lord does want you to share, then you can come talk to me and I'll discern with you to see if tonight actually is the, the time or place to share. Um, but our hope is that we would have just to create space for the Lord to individually speak to people. Um, so I'm going to pray, and then we will just move into that time of response. And feel free to just keep sitting and reflecting in your seats if that's what you need to do. Lord, we thank you that we are set apart for you and that our temptations or our, our sins, our giving in to those temptations, Lord, those don't define us. Lord, but you do. Your work on the cross does define us, Lord. And we, um, we just want to declare that in our lives, Lord. And we thank you, we thank you, we thank you that you do forgive us for the ways that we have failed in the past, Lord. But we really need your strength carry on and keep walking from here on out, Lord. And we know we won't be perfect at it. We know that we will fail again, and you will forgive again. But Lord, I pray that we will hunger and thirst for righteousness, wanting to follow you, um, and wanting to, to really get to experience full life with you, Lord, understanding that your prohibitions are really good, and they're out of love for us, Lord. So I thank you, Lord, for that. And I pray, Lord, that 
that as we continue to worship you through this response time, Lord, that you would really be speaking to us, Lord. Lord, our, eye, our ears and our hearts are open, Lord. And Lord, I thank you for the ways that you're already pushing on parts of people's hearts, Lord. I pray that you continue to do that, Lord.